This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mine, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception to pregnancy and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional. Thank you for being with us today. This episode touches on topics that may be sensitive for some listeners. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we're talking with Courtney Novak about her personal experience and journey through postpartum mental health struggles. Her story and experiences like hers are so important for us to hear and understand. We need to know that these complications are very real and they happen to very real people. Also, that healing is possible and there's help available for moms who are struggling. And Courtney will share with us her experience and how she is now helping moms through her own podcast and community support group. Courtney had postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum OCD after the birth of her daughter Pippa in 2013. As part of her recovery, she started writing a memoir, Adventures with Postpartum Depression, that would be published in early 2017. She wanted to share more than her own story, though, so she started a weekly podcast called Adventures with Postpartum Depression. She also runs a weekly peer-to-peer support group for moms who have had a maternal mood disorder. Thank you so much for being here, Courtney. I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks for having me, Dr. Kat. Yeah, no problem. You can call me Kat. So like I was saying in your intro, I mean, you've been through quite a bit and you're out of it and now helping other moms. But I think it would be really good if you feel uh, whatever you feel comfortable with saying and wherever you want to start to tell us what happened for you and how did you come to this? Yeah, well, I had postpartum depression, anxiety, and OCD in 2013 after my daughter was born. She was my first. I had a pretty tough pregnancy. Like, I think it was as tough as it could be without me having to be, like, hospitalized. And Mm -hmm. Pippa was always totally healthy and fine. But I was nauseous until, like, you know, the last month and had, like, back pains. And it was just sort of a all-around miserable experience. And when she was born let's see she had jaundice and Mm -hmm. I immediately blamed myself like Mm -hmm. the doctor the pediatrician said something about well your milk hasn't come in so she we need to supplement with formula to help her you know get the 
Ali Rubin. So I just immediately blamed myself, like yeah. for the fact that my milk hadn't come in and yeah. really equated breastfeeding with being a good mom and had taken, you know, I think it's great that people are advocating for breastfeeding and, you know, moms should be allowed to breastfeed wherever they want, but it's sort of gone to a farther place, at least out like here in Pasadena, where it's very extreme. Like you, breast milk is liquid gold and your IQ is going to be higher and they'll be healthier. And, you know, since then I've done research and found like most of that's kind of just speculation <laughs> and yeah. you know and if the mom is not well the baby's not well but yeah. at the time I really felt just awful like a failure yeah so it was sort of like the frog in the water where if you you know start to dial up the heat yeah it doesn't notice and sort of my anxiety did that and I assume this is how all moms feel just like the thought of doing a load of laundry was really overwhelming yeah Stuff like I got really fixated on finding like the best sling and like, okay, if I find the best sling, life as a mom will get easy and I'll be able to leave the house. And I really struggled to get out of the house. And I, I knew I'm like, I have to get out there and I have to be able to go to the mall and see friends. But I just like going to target four minutes from my house was like a lunar expedition. Yeah. And, you know, I thought if I find the right nursing wardrobe, the right sling, the right stroller, the right whatever. And, you know, it just kept getting worse and worse in terms of being harder and harder to get out of the house. Then I had insomnia that started at three months postpartum. Mm. And that lasted for five weeks. And I really sunk into despair and felt like I'm broken. But I don't have a right to feel bad about it because I got a beautiful baby in exchange. Mm. A lot of moms who have struggled with fertility and I felt like I don't have a right to any of these negative feelings because at least I have my baby. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the breastfeeding, the fertility, and I had a lot of sensory overload. Like I took Pippa to a mommy and me class and I just felt like the teacher was blowing bubbles and they were like fireworks in my face. Oh no. And then I had, you know, dark thoughts and thought about what I wanted was for the doctors to put me in a coma until they could figure out a way to fix me. And I didn't think they ever would be able to fix me. Mm. That was okay. But then I started having thoughts of hurting Pippa. I'd be, she would be screaming and it always happened like around noon. Mm -hmm. I'd be walking loops around our house to calm her. And then I just have a vision of throwing her as hard as I could on the floor. Yeah. I'd see her brain smashing out and I'd push the thought away as quickly as possible. But I just felt like, Oh my gosh, who am I that I'm having these thoughts? And I finally, you know, I was Googling a lot trying to figure out what was going on, but I'd see hits for postpartum depression and I just had it in my mind. I'm not the sort of person who gets postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I thought this is kind of a, a fake illness that divas get because they miss all the attention of pregnancy or they just, they're lazy and they don't want to take care of their baby. Uh-huh. So I would never look at those, those Google hits. And yeah. I have a history of being a little bit of a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. It was, I went into pregnancy as a anxious, but highly functional anxious person. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, I went to an Ivy league college and being anxious was actually really good because it kept me in the library studying and right. then a lawyer and, being anxious was good because I always got my work done, you know, well ahead of time. Right. 
but then suddenly throw a baby in and you know hormones and i feel like my hormones i've never they don't do great when there's like a big interruption like yeah i can't take the birth control pill i mm -hmm. took a year and a half of my life and was just crazy from it it made you feel terrible yeah like yeah. lots of crying jumping out of my skin mm -hmm. yeah and really bad periods too and yeah. I had this old school elderly obstetrician and when i told him my periods are worse on the pill he's like they shouldn't be like, ah. I'm, like, I'm doing something wrong i'm like do you think i'm willing this extra blood out of my body right. <laughs> right i that is the worst reaction from providers just like oh well either i've never heard of that before or like you're the only person yeah you're like, making you this up in your head yeah you should be fine yeah I actually had to take plan B once with my husband, but back when we were dating and I was for a whole week, just like, didn't feel like myself felt wrong, felt like the world was ending. Mm -hmm. And then I snapped out of it. So in hindsight, I can see like, Oh, I'm someone kind of sensitive to hormonal changes. Right. Right. So yeah, four months postpartum, I finally went to see my obstetrician after one of my good friends, I'd emailed college friends earlier and said things are tough but i was afraid to say how tough and mm. everyone responds with well yeah having a newborn it's like boot camp it's so difficult and i was afraid to like right. respond back with like like yeah but i see everyone on instagram leaving the house and i can't like right. on. at this point did anybody around you sense anything was it noticeable what was going on for you my parents say they sensed something and they didn't know how to approach me and mm -hmm. I was very protective of Pippa and very just defensive. Like they would bring up breastfeeding and oh, yeah. they, I would just lash out like I am breastfeeding until mm -hmm. she's one years old and then right. she'll self-wean. And like I had this boxes from Amazon. I kept buying things, hoping they'd be the solution. Right. And then when they weren't, I'd put the box in the living room and it was like two and a half feet high. And mm -hmm. my parents went out of town for a month. So like the third month postpartum, they were gone. And when they came back, they saw that and they're like, they just knew like something's wrong, but they didn't know how to bring it up with my husband and right. me. Well, I think that's something I think is really important to point out because so many moms, this is such an internal experience that it's like, it feels so loud and so big in your head and it's so confusing, but sometimes people just don't see anything different on the outside. Or if they do, they're like, oh, she just had a baby, you know, and dismiss it totally. Yeah, like, oh, she's a little sleep deprived. She'll be right, fine. Right. And people kept telling me, like, there was a breastfeeding support group and they said, oh, at the six week mark, it gets easier. And then they were like, oh, just kidding, really at the three month mark. <laughs> and, and if you want to find answers to things, the internet will give them. Yeah. So I ran searches, will it get easier at four months? And of course, I'd find posts that say life gets easier at four months. So I kept just trying to hang on. And yeah. probably insomnia was. I'd have like two or three really bad nights of just like three hours. Mm -hmm. and I'd get like five and a half or six hours and I would convince myself, oh, oh, don't call your doctor. You're coming out of the woods. And wow. my daughter's pediatrician told me to quit caffeine because that might be making jittery. Mm -hmm. So then I quit caffeine the same day the insomnia started. Oh, must have been just a horrible coincidence, but I just became convinced like I'm in caffeine withdrawal. I brought this upon myself by having caffeine. I just have to ride this out. Like what am I supposed to tell my obstetrician that 
This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. You know, so it's just like everywhere you turn, there's guilt. Yeah, everywhere there was guilt, anxiety. The anxiety became, in like the fourth month, very like a physical feeling of fear, like like I'm being stalked by a serial killer and vampires at all times. And on, like it was on a Monday that my parents came to visit. They lived on the other side. They lived over on the west side, like 45 minutes away. And they came to visit with my sister and they visited for a while. And then we're going over to this art museum and I had been planning for months to go because it like seemed like a perfect outing, but I felt too overwhelmed. So I said, mm-hmm. and as soon as they left, I was just crying and I was standing on the front porch just with physical fear. So yeah. called them to come back, called my husband to come home. And I'd been telling them, my parents and my husband at a few times, like I'm scared. And they'd always ask, of what? And I'd say, I don't know. know. And they'd tell me, then you have nothing to be scared of. Mm. But it felt like this, like an extra limb had been like welded to me. And I didn't know how to like amputate it. I'm like, it stuck to me. I don't know how to get rid of this anxiety. So then if I may, like note to providers and family members, if you hear a mom saying these things, like they're scared, they don't know what's going on, ask more questions. Or, you know, that's one of the signs, like if there's so few things that you are able to express and it's so hard to even put into words what you're feeling, when you're feeling like you've just described, that when it does come out, when somebody finally is able to say something, it's really important to pay attention. Yes. And I did finally, on that day where I was crying on the porch, my parents suggested we come stay with them. 
Yeah. So we did. And I put a lot of pressure on myself though. Like, Oh, my husband's been displaced. He has a farther commute to work. I need to be better like right now. Yeah. I emailed friends and told them about the anxiety and insomnia. And I said, I think maybe I have postpartum depression. And one of my friends who was the friend who was all, you know, she's like the sort of person who could sit in a house that's on fire and finish a drink. (laughs) Okay. So I tell her and I'm expecting her to like email back and be like, you're just, you're overreacting. Don't worry. Don't be a hypochondriac. And she wrote back and said, Oh, Courtney, I think you have postpartum depression. Go see a doctor. And if your doctor won't help, go see another and another until you get help. Oh, great. And that was just like, I have another person say you have postpartum depression. I suddenly that I was able to pick up the phone, make an appointment with my obstetrician. And I went and I told, you know, her everything. And I even told her about the dark thoughts. So she asked me to self-admit to the hospital, mm-hmm. the psychiatric wing. So I did that and stayed there for four nights. How far along um, postpartum were you at that point? I was just over four months at that point. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I had spent the past few nights at my parents. So this was a Thursday. And, you know, like, I guess a note for providers, it was, I got, first I got put in this wing with people who I guess pose a danger to themselves. Mm. And there were people who were like schizophrenic and like, I didn't major in psychology. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist and I didn't know how to interact. And I had a roommate and I was very scared. And the nurses there, I got a pump, but they made me pump in my room in front of my roommate. No. Yeah. And then I told my psychiatrist after my first night there, like, I feel like I don't know how to interact with these patients. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, and he truly just didn't know. And I'm like, well, you have all your medical degrees and you do this every day. Of course, you know how to interact. But I really didn't know what I was supposed to be, like how to exist there and was horribly anxious. And, you know, I then got bumped down to like a, a ward with just a few people and it was just for depression. And, you know, I think like they put me in that first ward because I said I'd had thoughts of hurting myself, but really I wasn't like planning my suicide. I didn't like the thoughts of hurting myself. It's just I had these thoughts and my doctor never explained to me like, well, that's the chemicals in your brain giving you these thoughts. That's not you. Mm -hmm. I wish he had sort of, he never explained. He told me you have postpartum depression. And I told him, well, I'm very anxious. He's like, no, you're depressed. Ah. And I was. And he gave me Zoloft and Remeron and the Zoloft kicked in after a couple of days. And then I could see I was depressed. But then I told him, he's like, oh, that's really convenient because you want me to discharge you. Now you're saying you're depressed. So. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm writing, I'm almost done with my book about having postpartum depression and I've had to leave out the stuff with my psychiatrist and I'm just going to write a second book because I eventually broke up with him when I got pregnant with my son, Julian, Mm -hmm. there was just so much, like he did really good things for me. He gave me the Zoloft, but from the beginning, he was very bad cop, good cop, mind games saying you when I'm saying, and I was in my most vulnerable state and terrible. Oh yeah. I mean, at some point I started a support group that can talk about more later, but he tried to hijack it and he wanted me to run it through his office and he was going to show up for a few minutes at the beginning and then he could charge the insurance companies. I was like, 
but I want to do something for free and I want to be peer to peer, but he bullied me into wanting to do it at his office, always implying that my mental health was at stake. It was just. That's, yeah, that deserves a whole separate book. Yes, it really does. And it really, he also, when he found out I was writing a book was like, I want you to name me. I've had people, patients write books about me, you know, with me, but they don't name me. And it sort of like robbed me of my inability to write about what he was doing to me. Yeah. It wasn't until I broke up with him that I was able to be like, okay, there's all these other layers to my story. Right. Wow. Yes. I was at the hospital four nights and then discharged against my doctor's great reluctance. But I really felt at that point, like I hadn't seen my daughter in four days and they didn't allow visitors. You know, I think they would have, but Nathan, my husband, was staying with my parents, so that was like at least 45 minutes away. Oh, uh huh. And I couldn't deal with the heartbreak of saying goodbye to her again and again. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, they took my iPhone away, which had all my photos of her on it. And, you know, it was like, couldn't they have, like, just kept it in a locker and let me look at it every now and then? Yeah. It was a very, like, dehumanizing experience. Wow. There are a lot of reasons why you telling your story is important, but, you know, hopefully there are a mom who's listening and is having these experiences with their provider or a provider who's listening and, you know, is realizing that they don't know enough and go get some more training. These stories highlight where our system is broken and where we all need to be more compassionate and understanding and don't, I mean, how can you just deny somebody their feelings? Like, you're telling them you're, you know, what you were feeling and they're like disagreeing with you. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then I asked him after, you know, at an early appointment, like, I'd like to understand more what's going on. Mm -hmm. And he Xeroxed something from like a clinical journal that was in all of this medical jargon. And, you know, I couldn't understand it, but luckily I went and found, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Dr. Shoshana Bennett's book, um, Depression for Dummies. Yeah. And that book was just, it did everything for me that my psychiatrist should have, but didn't mm-hmm. explain everything. Right. And it gave all of these great wellness tips. I always recommend that book to any moms that come to me, like just get Yeah, yeah. good for you. You know, I like to assume that providers are doing their best and that they are trying to do what they think is in the best interest of their patients. And then sometimes also, I think it's useful for them to admit that they don't know enough or that if they don't know the answer that they're willing to go in and get more resources and you know I mean how how beneficial would it have been for you so far along your path so far from what we know of your story to have somebody who knew what was going on yeah and who took the time who wasn't afraid to be like these are the symptoms and you know just information yeah yeah knowledge is power right so, so you came out of the hospital and then you found a therapist? Yeah, I had a cognitive behavioral therapist, a psychologist, and I had developed a lot of rituals during the anxiety and depression. And, you know, and my psychiatrist never came out and diagnosed me with OCD or postpartum anxiety. But like I know just from reading that that's what I had. Uh-huh. So I had stuff like unlocking and relocking the front and back doors mm-hmm. like 20 times in a row. And then I'd do it again, you know, in the middle of the night, checking Pippa's breathing, checking the burners on the stove, checking under the beds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got so bad. I was, you know, I wasn't just checking the closets. I was looking inside like the washing machine to make sure someone wasn't hiding in there. Mm-hmm. 
And I, my psychologist, you know, worked me through unraveling all those rituals. And it ended up being great because he got me to the place I was before I had Pippa. And he's like, do you want to get better? And I was like, yeah. And we, you know, kept working for a few more months. And I'm now like really a great master of anxiety. So it's mm-hmm. the lemonade out of the lemons. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. All right. So how long did that process take from the time you started to after the hospital to where you felt like you were feeling better or feeling more like yourself? So I started in August and... I ended the the therapy in February and before that I felt a lot better. So it was like a whole month or two of me just kind of coming in and reporting how great I was doing and all the things I had done for myself that week. And then finally realizing like, okay, I really don't need to come in just to get high fives. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know how it feels to you, but like it sounds relatively short. Yeah. And it was, but it was sort of like I kept getting better every month. And then I definitely would like kind of regress a little or have bad days and worry like, oh, am I not even fully better? Yeah. I mean, I got better really quickly, but then every month after was like, wow, I'm even better. Mm, And I think it's also just part of becoming a mom and getting more confident and becoming more, you know, immune to other people's judgment. Ah, wow. Yeah. So you gained some really valuable skills then. Does the stuff you learned in therapy just coping stuff, coping with your anxiety, but also this really, it happens for all, a lot of moms, maybe all moms with this worry about judgment and the pressure that we put on ourselves. So you, you had a a nice mix of all of that. That was really, really impacting you. Yes. And you know, I'm actually grateful. I had 
the whole adventure. <laughs> I just learned so much about what makes me tick and what makes me, you know, my best version of myself. So, you know, we don't have time to like go into my whole life, but I think, you know, I spent most of my life being anxious and now I'm not. And it's just, it's sort of like, you know, being Dorothy and stepping out <laughs> and being like, Oh, this is so much better. That's so fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Gosh, that, you know, you are feeling better than you did before pregnancy and before postpartum. Thank you. And, I, and that's like, I think that can be like, you know, a silver lining for the moms who are listening, who are struggling and having a hard time that finding the right type of support really can feel better than before because you're describing that there was some stuff going on already that contributed to how you were feeling postpartum. Plus there's like biology and, you know, all that stuff, brain stuff and hormonal stuff. And it sounds like you had a really, really intense sleep deprivation that was contributing to stuff towards the end there. Oh yeah. The anxiety, just being in bed. Yeah. And, and you've recovered. And I recovered full recovery and I had my second baby, Julian, and he's 10 and a half months old now. And I got a new psychiatrist and I got, we sort of set up a plan and she was really involved with, well, what do you want to do? And then she'd give me the options and we'd talk it through. And my first psychiatrist just never asked for my input about how I was doing or how I wanted my treatment to go. So it was very empowering. And she would, remember I first saw her when I was pregnant and she didn't want to see me again for three months. And I had seen my first psychiatrist every month, which made me feel like there's something wrong with me. Like I need constant monitoring. Uh This other psychiatrist was like, no, you're doing great. Like let's not rock the boat and we'll keep things the same, but you know, call me too. And we set up a plan and I made a self-care checklist with all the things I needed to be doing. So I could just, even when I'm brain dead, just realize, oh yeah, go outside and get fresh air. Walk around the block. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a list of warning signs and red flags for my husband and parents. And, you know, we decided, me and my psychiatrist, that I would just start Zoloft again right away. And I did a few days postpartum. And then, and I did great. And then at the three month mark, which is when the insomnia started with Pippa, the insomnia kind of clicked back on. And at first I was like, and I was more anxious. I was like, all right, well, let's just see what happens. Let's just write it out. And after like two days, I was like, wait a second, I've seen this movie. Oh. <laughs> I called yeah. my psychiatrist and she bumped up my Zoloft and put me, I was off the Remeron when I was pregnant and put mm-hmm. me back on that. And like, like a light switch, I was just, I was doing great. And so I'm still doing all that and I'm in remission and we're going to start weaning me like in the new year after the holidays. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you like, it sounds like you've become an advocate too. I mean, there's nothing quite like a really difficult postpartum depression and anxiety to after you heal from it to put you into action. And that sounds like what you've done. Oh yeah. It's become, I feel like I was always missing a calling and my calling now, and it just keeps getting better and better. I feel you on that one. (laughs) I can totally identify with that too. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on too, is that out of your pain and what you've been through, you are an advocate. And now you've started a podcast called Adventures with Postpartum Depression. You have a book that's coming out with the same name and you have a support group in your area. And these are just like so amazing. And they feel so easy now that I'm doing them. And they were so overwhelming before I started. And now it's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And it's needed. 
all of the stuff you're doing is needed. Like we were kind of chatting beforehand, it takes all voices from wherever, whatever your platform is, you know, speak. And you are totally doing that. Yeah, I started first with the book and mm-hmm. that was very cathartic. I recommend writing to anyone struggling yeah. with depression or just even motherhood. Like <laughs> journaling is just such a great way to touch base with yourself and go to self-publish. You know, I just hired an editor because... I don't want to deal with the publishers and that takes a couple of years. I just want to get my story out there and yeah. be able to control the price and give it, you know, for free to people who need it for free. I don't need a publisher right. controlling that. And that inspired me to create the support group because I really started my healing when I was able to start telling moms, like I took this mommy class in Pasadena. And when I first told all the moms, when I was like nine months postpartum, it just like one of the moms afterwards was like, wow, you made yourself so vulnerable. And I realized I was like, no, I was vulnerable before because I was worried about what everyone was thinking. And once I said it, I realized I was like, it did not matter. And I was invulnerable to what everyone thought. That's amazing. I'm like happy dancing, clapping over here for you. That's so cool. And that's why I started a support group just to create for moms to talk. And I actually, it's a long story, but my, first psychiatrist tried to hijack it. And so I ended up not doing it for a while because I needed to do my own healing from an abusive relationship. And I went into therapy with a new, with a female new therapist who I adore. So I restarted it a few months ago. And at first, you know, not many people were coming and I felt like, gosh, I want to help more people. And I know people just can't get out of the house. Sometimes like when you're depressed, it's hard enough with a newborn. And I just, felt like I had to do a podcast and you know the universe is funny how we just both started like right around the same time right practically neighbors and it was like yeah we need this we need these stories out there oh absolutely yeah I think we started within a week of each other our podcast and you have a group and I have a group out here and we both participated in the climb out of darkness with postpartum progress there's a lot of parallels here yeah. And I'm going to the Warrior Mom Conference in October. No way. Cool. That should be awesome. Yes. Wow. That's so amazing. Yeah. And that's a great organization. Did you use them, that postpartum progress as part of your support or what organizations did you lean on? You know, I didn't find any organizations until after I found postpartum progress when I was a little over a year postpartum because I wanted I just felt this urge to help and spread the word. I didn't know how. And I thought, well, there must be a 5K or something. And I finally found the climb out of darkness. And I did a solo climb. And then I joined the LA climbs. And that's how I found postpartum progress. And I didn't really get as involved with postpartum progress until after I had Julian. I had a Mm -hmm. couple of months postpartum where I kind of felt like I need to just be me. And I can't be feeding off anyone else's issues. Yeah. And then I just sort of emerged from those, you know, first three months and I was like, okay, I'm ready. And Mm -hmm. I signed up for the conference and I got onto all these Facebook groups. And now I feel, you know, it's just better than ever being like linked into that community. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. I have so much to share and you are sharing it through your podcast and your book that's coming up. Please do let me know when that's out and I will help spread the word about that. And your support group is in Pasadena? Yes, it's technically San Marino, but basically okay. Pasadena at the family room on Thursdays from like we say two to three, but we're often there like 3.30 or four. Oh, it's one of those. 
it's free and you come whenever you want. And if you don't come for three months and then you come back, you know, no judgment. That's awesome. So for you guys who are listening, you can find Courtney on Instagram and at Courtney Novak and on Facebook. Also, you have PPD Adventure. Is that right? PPD Adventures. Awesome. PPD Adventures on Facebook. So whoever's listening and if you want to be in contact with Courtney, you can find her there. And I just really appreciate you, Courtney, for doing the work that you're doing and sharing your story. And I really firmly believe that in order for other people to see, we have to be seen. And you are showing up so that other moms can know that they're going to be okay too. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. By joining us today and listening, you're a part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this free podcast so that Mom and Mind can be found by moms, families, and providers who will benefit from hearing our talks. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com where you will also find links and information from today's episode. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.